Hello and welcome back to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast, where I talk to developers who are also business owners, founders, solo entrepreneurs, and more, and I try to get a sense of how they got to where they are and how they do the things they do. So if you're a developer who wants to get into business, or maybe if you're already in business and you want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode 21 with Preeti Kassaretti. One quick announcement before we get started today. I've just embarked on a new project with my friend and collaborator Otto Kukic to build a platform to make it easier for event speakers to find and apply to tech events. We're calling it speak.dev and you can find information about it at the web address speak.dev. So what's the deal with this project? Well, one thing that I love doing in the tech industry is to speak at different events. So whether that's conferences or meetups, I love to travel, get on stage, and ultimately meet and connect with new people in the industry. But finding events to apply to hasn't always been the easiest. I speak at about a dozen events per year, and I often find myself scouring about five or six different resources to get info on events. Then I need to make sure I apply to them before the deadline, I need to make sure that I don't double book myself, and this has always been kind of a pain and is something about the process that I haven't enjoyed a whole lot. It turns out that Otto has had the same pain when it comes to applying to conferences and meetups as well. Otto is a seasoned event speaker, and he actually does that for his job. He works in developer relations. So he's going to conferences and meetups all the time, and he has to go through the exact same stuff, except for him, it is a lot worse because he's doing a lot more of it. He and I have talked to a lot of people in the industry who have the same kind of pain, and so that's why we decided to do something about it. And that's why we are building speak.dev. The ultimate goal is to help event speakers find and manage their events better and just generally make it easier and more enjoyable for them to do more speaking. Now the cool part about this project is that we're doing pretty much everything out in the open. So that means we're live streaming almost everything we do from planning and organizing to actually writing the code and everything in between. So if you'd like to follow along with us and you'd like to get notified about when we go live, head over to speak.dev and sign up for our mailing list. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is speak.dev, so all spelled out, D-O-T, dev. And we've also got the same handle on Twitch, which is where we'll be live streaming. We'd love it if you followed along with us, and we hope to see you there. My guest today is Preeti Kassaretti. Preeti is an engineer, author, and blogger who writes on a wide range of topics at her site, preetikassaretti.com. She's the author of Fundamentals of Functional Programming, which focuses on teaching functional programming from a beginner's mindset. Preeti is an avid traveler, and you can find her on Instagram at Preeti Cassaretti, where you can follow along. Preeti, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Glad to have you here. Uh, I'd love to chat with you about some of your thoughts on uh, the trade-offs between being a full-time employee versus being self-employed. Um, but I figured before we get there, tell me a little bit about uh, this article that I saw on your site about why you decided to leave Silicon Valley. Uh, lots of folks might be interested in going to Silicon Valley to uh, maybe establish their careers or, or you know, do work of some sort. What, uh, what was the decision for you to, to uh, leave Silicon Valley? Why'd you make that decision? Sure. Um, I think, okay, so it would be, it would be bad, it would be, um, it would be unwise for me to say that Silicon Valley wasn't a valuable place for me to be in early, I have nothing against people going to Silicon Valley to build a network, to build their careers in tech, because that's exactly what I did. And for me, it kind of happened serendipitously in the sense that I didn't go to San Francisco for tech, but I got a job there, ended up realizing that San Francisco is basically the mecca of tech and Silicon Valley as a whole. And then I got sucked into the tech world purely because of by chance. And then I ended up staying there to build my network there. But um, the reason I wrote that post is because I, look, I was there for about five years. So I went there right after I graduated college and then I left in 2017. And even in that five year period, I saw Silicon Valley really change 
um, culturally and just like, you know, just as a city, it was just not a place I wanted to be anymore because what I started to notice was one, the monoculture. And this is, you know, well known now, but you know, when I was saying this in 2017, people weren't yet thinking about it truly. Um, but you can, like everywhere you go, people are talking, having, having the same conversations. Everyone's doing the same things. They're all going up the same career ladders. So to me, it, it lacked a sense of diversity that I like in my day-to-day life. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I was always interested in a lot of things besides just work. You know, I have, I'm pretty active physically. I like being outdoors and I like, you know, I like uh, doing stuff that are outside of work. And I just felt like every conversation was so work-related, even the non-work one. So the monoculture was one. And two, I just don't like San Francisco as a city to live in. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, you see you see the, the backlash happening now where mm-hmm. everyone is kind of talking about how dirty and unsafe San Francisco has gotten. But I started to notice that the minute I got there in 2012, I was like, wow, this is like, this is, this is, it's really strange that like the Mecca, the tech Mecca has a city that looks like basically a third world country. And over the five years that I was there, it just kept getting worse. And it almost started to feel like India where, you know, you have extreme wealth on one end and then the extreme poverty on the other and living right next to each other. And I just, you know, my, for me, like my environment matters a lot in terms of my productivity and my mood and and I was like just not happy being in the city in that environment and I wanted to surround myself by just prettier places and more pleasant places to be and so I decided to leave and personally especially now and then in the world where everything is on the internet and I'm not downplaying the 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 importance and the 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 value of being in person and being with these people, but you know, every you can find a lot of these networks online too. So I started to realize that I have the network that I wanted. I built that network in those five years. So even if I leave, I don't need to be physically there to still tap into that network. So for mm-hmm. me, being physically there, I didn't see the reason for me to be there anymore. Right. But yeah. um I would say like, you know, if I was giving advice to an up and coming college grad, if they're super excited to get into tech, then yeah, going there and physically being there does help. It accelerates your process for how quickly you meet people, how quickly you get integrated into that network. Mm-hmm. But once you built up that network and you have like a few nodes in there, then you're at, to expand those nodes and grow your network. That can happen online in my opinion. So, yeah, I got I kind of got the best of both worlds. And then once I built my network, I left and now I just connect with them online. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I I go to SF maybe three or four times a year on average. And, you know, I've always toyed with this idea. I've had sort of opportunities to uh, be based in SF, right, to do work for companies there. And I've always, you know, kind of toyed with that idea in my head. Ultimately, I don't think it would be a, a good move. You know, I've got a young family and, and it, it probably wouldn't be a great place uh, or at least it wouldn't be a place where you could um, raise a family in the same way, perhaps, that you would elsewhere. Right. Um, but uh I've always I've always found that when I go there, there's a certain buzz, a certain energy that exists when you're conversing with people in the industry because you know there, there's so many people there in the industry and there's so much going on. Uh, there's this kind of like buzz that I can sense at least um, when I'm there as opposed to not being there, which I think holds some value. But I, I do imagine I, I do sometimes think that if I were there for you know much longer than my week long trips that I do, that it w- it would start to to wear on a person after a while. And so it sounds like perhaps that's what uh, happened in your case. You know, it was just starting to get to be, like you said, uh, the monoculture feel was getting to be a bit too much. Uh, Things were repetitive, Uh, you know, same conversations everywhere uh, that you went. Um, Is it uh, it different, uh, noticeably different where you are now? I believe you're in LA now, if I can uh, sense that correctly from what you've got online. Yeah, so technically, um, as of this month, I'm a nomad, but I did move, in 2017, I did move to LA and so I was there and 
LA was the perfect place for me to move because you know I wanted to I still wasn't ready to completely leave the US at the time in the sense that I was still pretty young and um I didn't know if I can just completely uplift myself and start from scratch anywhere else in the world probably I could have but at, at back then I just felt like LA was um close enough hop where I loved LA because it was warmer hmm. it was uh better like prettier more more pleasant environment to be in more diverse like there's so many different types of people in LA um and LA is kind of this decentralized city that's phenomenal in my opinion mm-hmm. and but like you know it's a plane hop plane hop away from plane fly a uh, flight away from yeah, San Francisco so you can hop on a plane and get there in an hour so mm-hmm. it was like, too far if I needed to go there so it was like the perfect place and you know LA is also having an, is starting to have an up-and-coming tech scene there so it made hiring also not that hard because mm-hmm. one of the big things when you leave Silicon Valley is how do you hire really good engineers because a mm-hmm. lot of the really good engineers are concentrated in Silicon Valley right and uh, unless you're building a remote first company you want people who are local and so it's harder to do unless you're in a city that has a sizable amount of good engineers and right. LA I think definitely is starting to have that because they have a lot of good colleges and software engineers there gotcha okay um, so you've worked for some big names in Silicon Valley Goldman Sachs uh, and Dreesen Horowitz um, tell us what you're up to now what's your uh, what's your endeavor at the moment sure yeah so I started a company in 2017 and we're in the process of getting the company acquired and so I'm kind of a free bird after this month and I want to figure out what's next for me and fundamentally I'm an entrepreneur at heart I don't ever think I'm going to go back and work for a big company at least that's what I think as of now um but what next what's, what what's exactly next for me uh, next for me I'm not sure but I know it's going to be something that's like either I'm not sure if I'm going to build another company but I probably will at least be a solo entrepreneur if that makes sense Gotcha. Okay. And what's the the company that you've been working on since 2017? Yeah. So the company was called True Story and we built a social network that is that our goal was to create a debate platform where people can create a claim and then debate both sides of that claim. And so the idea was to um like create a place for open-minded discussions because Twitter doesn't really <laughs> allow for that and right. Twitter is just basically it's it's a it's a shithole for better lack of a better <laughs> word and right. it's really hard to have nuanced conversations on Twitter because people get really angry and upset so we were building a place where people can actually have intellectual conversations about some controversial topics just to kind of explore your intellectual itch basically. Okay. Interesting. And so uh there's an acquisition in the works it sounds like. It's uh yeah. is it has it been a, a while coming or is this a, a brand uh, more No, a, it's, more new. it's new. It's new. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um I'm curious about your I mean you're kind of in the middle of this acquisition right now. Um that's something I think that a lot of us who are Maybe ha- who maybe have the goal of building a company, um, we would one day like it to be acquired. What is, is it a tough process, the, the whole acquisition thing? Is it uh, stressful? Uh, is it not so stressful? What's, what's your take on it? Sure, yeah, it, it's, it's stressful because um, we have no control over it. Like, uh, it's really up to the buyer's perspective of, you know, how long they want to take, what the diligence process is, et cetera. So when you're building a company, I think one of the big things as an entrepreneur is you 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 like being an entrepreneur because you know you 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 control your future. It's like you get to decide what you want to build and what you want to do, and you have sovereignty. Um, but in this process, it's like you're kind of just tied to their 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 process and how long they take so that's kind of what's not fun about it gotcha yeah yeah the unknowns i i saw a post recently or do you know um i believe bear metrics is what it is uh josh pigford maybe if i'm getting that name right on twitter um, i follow him on twitter and he he posted something recently about uh this kind of process that he went through his company went through uh where they were in the 
the process of, of being acquired and it turned out that at the the very end of it they just the the acquiring company just started ghosting them and uh it turned out like long story short there was like they didn't the, the acquiring company didn't actually have the money but they had made it seem like they did to to purchase the company and uh he was commenting just on you know how, how much of a stressful oh yeah this event that would time. be this okay all the time like it's common buyers, like you know they'll take they'll say something but then you know they'll get into the process and then like some, say something else and a lot of the times like sometimes you know like on the on the outside you know acquisitions sound so glorious but hmm. oftentimes most entrepreneurs get burned in the process because usually like you know they have to pay their shareholders back right. so usually it's an aqua hire right like there's very very few cases where a company will acquire a company for hundreds of millions of dollars and the actual founder is making money off that acquisition a lot of times hmm. it's, it's an aqua hire and and so in that case it's mostly the shareholders that are getting paid back I mean, the investors right. are being paid back, um, and so uh, the, yeah, it's it's it really just depends on the type of acquisition and who the buyer is, and every situation is super different. Some acquisitions are super messy, some are super hmm. clean, some sure. yeah. Is there um is there anything that entrepreneur entrepreneurs should be mindful of at the outset when they're starting a company to uh, try to make maybe a future acquisition if it's to happen um, go as well as it can and and maybe to avoid some of those messy things to avoid the situation where perhaps they have to be an acquire um, and be beholden to shareholders anything you'd recommend there? I mean I think the best way is like don't build a company to get acquired right like okay. you're when I started True Story, like our goal wasn't to, I didn't build a company to get acquired. Right. Like you build a company because you have, you you just want to build a company and you want to build something valuable and you're not doing it for a particular outcome. I usually find, find if you th start thinking that way, then you think small. Hmm. And so I would say like, don't even think about that. Like really go yeah. after that and um, and yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so maybe let's shift gears a bit. Let's chat about uh, your thoughts on kind of what to consider or what it's like to be full-time employee versus uh, full-time self-employed. Maybe some of the trade-offs between the two. Um, so uh, I guess maybe maybe what we could do is start with uh, the situation that somebody is full-time employed at you know a tech company or otherwise, but let's uh, consider us uh, just a, you know these listeners, a group of developers who are full-time employees at companies. What uh, in your mind? What are the the kind of good things about being full-time employed that maybe you would miss if you went out on your own? Yeah, I mean, I think like sometimes people don't fully think about what it actually means to be an entrepreneur, what it means to be a founder. They just, it sounds cool. It sounds like you have no boss. It sounds like you get to do whatever you want. And like, and then they don't look at like what, everything has a trade off, right? Like, yeah, you don't have a boss, but you kind of do because your users are your boss and your investors are your boss. You're, even the president of the United States have a boss you know right. like it's like he's completely free he's he's beholden to the citizens of the united states like he's basically responsible for all those people so technically the people are his boss in some regards so you so there's always going to be that responsibility so if you think that being an entrepreneur means you're not going to have to report to anyone or have to be tied to anything like that's not true um right, right. So that's one thing about being an employee, right? Is a sense that like you are, you, your, your obligations are explicit and you can clock in and clock out. And, and if you get that done, then you are technically done. Whereas an entrepreneur, like there's no done. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> You're never done. Um, you can always be doing more. And so it's very much you have to be very self driven and self um aware enough to know when is done for you and when is um not done for you and what is enough and what is not enough and all these boundaries that you've set on yourself so it's very i think like the the biggest thing that people don't realize about entrepreneurship is how much self-awareness it actually requires mm. to be a good one hmm. and uh india yeah. 
Gotcha. Whereas okay. as, a, as an employee, like, you know, you it's a job. So right. you are told what to do. And so you don't necessarily need as much self-awareness per se. You just need to be able to follow tasks and yeah. get, things, get things done. What, what in particular, uh, in terms of self-awareness, do you think is important if you're going to be an entrepreneur? What's, uh, what are some of the specific things you should be self-aware about? Like you're, I mean, because everything relies on you at the end of the day, you are the decision maker. And so you need to know what you're, you need to intimately know your business enough to know what needs to be done. And, and then on top of that, you need to know what you should be doing and what other people should be doing. Hmm. Right? Like, is this something that I do? Or is this something that I delegate? And, you know, and also like, how what type of entrepreneur that you want to be or do you want to be the mark zuckerbergs of the world and basically crush yourself for 10 years and work non-stop or do you want or like elon musk of the world where like you are sleeping under your desk or do you want to be more of like a a lifestyle entrepreneur where you have a family and you have kids but you also are an entrepreneur so mm-hmm. like being self-aware in that regard it's not just doing something because oh, you think Elon Musk is cool, so I want to be like him, but like really thinking about what you want and what you're trying to, what you what you are and, and pursuing your true self rather than trying mm-hmm. to just be a type of entrepreneur that maybe you saw or read in a book. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where a lot of Silicon Valley people get it wrong because they hear all these stories about Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and all that, and they, but they don't really know how to apply that to their own startup or their own idea or their own self. Right. And this is where they go wrong because they then like it's always like you can't at the end of the day, if you're not authentic to who you are and the type of person you want to be and the type of company you want to build, whatever, whatever, all that, then you're going to break down at some point. And mm. being self-aware enough to know that is super important. Um, you know, like when I first got started, I thought like I thought I wanted to, you know, like be like the crazy like workaholic type of entrepreneur but then I realized like that's kind of something that you know like maybe when you're 25 sounds appealing mm-hmm. but uh, I'm in my late 20s now and that's just not like I don't want to work like I, I did that for like 15 years of my life right. and it's not something I want to do for another 20 years like I don't want to be 45 yeah. and <laughs> sleeping yeah. under my desk right Absolutely. so now I know the type of entrepreneur that I want to be and I know exactly how much I want to work, how often I, w- I want to work, and what. And if that means I can't build a a bajillion dollar company, that's fine with me. Like I, mm. I don't look up to those people as as I did when I was, you know, twenty three or twenty five. Mm. So all those things are super important to know. Of like, what is it that you want, and is like when you, when the company is successful, let's say in ten years, like just think about whether the lifestyle and the the type of company that you're building, you're going to be happy in that 10 years from now. It's not just about today, but yeah, is all that work going to be worth it in the end for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was there, do you remember a, a particular moment where you kind of realized, uh, I don't want to be doing this kind of hard, uh, long hour work into my 40s. I'd rather focus on something that is maybe a bit more, um, I don't know, sustainable lifestyle-wise. Was there a, a particular moment where that shifted for you or was it kind of a gradual change over time? It was, it was, it was actually like a catastrophic, not a catastrophic, it was a, it was a moment and it was something happening in my personal life where, mm-hmm. you know, for so long, like I've always worked really hard where like I was getting four hours of sleep for about almost a decade and wow, okay. I, I, you know, I put my body and my everything through a lot. Like I didn't, you know, ever since I was probably 16, I've been working really, really hard. And that's how I was able to kind of do the things I did before I, by the time I'm in my late twenties, which is I worked at Goldman, I worked at Anderson Horowitz, I worked at Coinbase, I taught myself how to code. Like I did all that because I did work hard. So I can't say hard work is bad, but, um, I also, when diff- at different phases in your life, you start to prioritize different things. And um, there was something that happened where I started to realize that there were people, you know, I was looking at people who are 10 or 15 or 20 years older than me and 
who ha who were on the trajectory that per se I was, and I just I all of a sudden just did not want to be them. Like it was just like oh god, like this is this sounds awful. Like I don't want to be them like in twenty years, and like I don't want to be coming into this office and like grinding like when I'm like have like two like two or three kids or something like it's just not like it was just not what I wanted it's not something I pictured my life to be like and mm. I um I also had to like kind of talk like spend you know I took two weeks off from work and I just had to figure out who I was like what I wanted and taking those two weeks off was really valuable because it made me realize that you know it it helped me kind of do things I would do if I didn't have work or anything and I started to realize that I was coming back to my true element of who I truly am which is I'm a deep introvert I enjoy like mm. deep periods of work being very alone mm. and that's why I write a lot because um, I write and teach a lot because I enjoy doing that deep work and learning and then teaching that to an audience and just you know being a public figure a ceo just doesn't give you the time to necessarily do that and right. i just had to be honest with myself of the fact that like i i could live this other it can be in these other shoes but 20 years from now i'm not going to be happy because it, i wasn't i wasn't authentic i wasn't being my true self i wasn't it was not um, you know building uh, a billion dollar company is not going to be a self-expression of myself yeah and so it was just that realization then and now I feel a lot better at least admitting that and coming to terms with that because I now have you know the, the next 50 years of my life to truly do just pursue who I am and just like yeah. be true to myself yeah that's um man that that's it, it's gotta be challenging to go from working like kind of full bore like that for a long time uh and then kind of i imagine I, I imagine part of it is there's like this deceleration that happens right um you know i think a lot of folks who are uh super hard workers for you know lots of their life and, and just like sleep four hours for example uh every night for for most of their life um there's there's a sort of momentum that they gain that that just keeps them going at it and um coming to that important realization which i think is a critical one um it part of the challenge i'm sure must be just like the fact that you decide you know you you want to slow down a bit i'm, I'm sure that that's part of it um Speaking of that, the four hours of sleep, I, I just, I've been reading this book. I don't know if you've heard this book, uh, Why We Sleep. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, I just finished it and uh, so enlightening about, you know, the importance of, uh, of sleep. I, I, part, for parts of my life, I, like you went uh, through kind of going, you know, four or five hours a night to get more stuff done and um, have come out on the other end, realizing that that's not such a great uh, not such a great sleep habit to have. Um, it's so and, stupid. I, if I could go back, I would just like slap myself in the face. <laughs> well, so would I <laughs> to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I likewise, like when I was in my university days, especially that's, that's where I got my, uh, <laughs> the, the, the periods of little sleep. I used to, I used to have this job at, uh, the airport uh, that I would start at like four in the morning. So I would do like 4 a.m. shift. I would have. I only took the bus at that time, so I would have to get the last bus in, which got me there at 1:30 a.m. I would sleep somewhere in the airport for a couple hours, start my shift, go to school all day, do evening activities with my friends, and start the whole thing over again the next day. Um, yeah. And just the the worst for uh, for one's um, mind and body is is what I came to realize. Um, so yeah. Anyway. And at some point, you just can't do that. Like you get to a certain mm. age. Like you can do that when you're 20, but like you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> Does not sustain over over yeah. a lifetime. Um, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you're here on the other side. Um, let's talk about maybe the. So we talked about some of the benefits of working full time for a company. What's uh, and and then there's some you know trade offs of course uh, with that. What are some of the benefits that you think do exist with entrepreneurship? It's challenging because you're you know you, you, it doesn't really stop at any point. You're kind of in some way or another needing to always be on. But uh, what are some of those benefits that you find? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the most rewarding thing you can do, right? Like, it's like you're completely in control of your future and the future of the world, basically. You're trying to build a future that you believe in. And it's, I would say, the most 
rewarding thing because it's very creative. So if you if you're a creative person and you enjoy that, it's very creative. It kind of touches on basically every field in the world. Which it, it touches on psychology, it touches on um, business, it touches on finance, it touches on gosh, like everything, right? It's like mm-hmm. a mix of everything and. Um, and so the pros are like, you know, for example, like you, like a lot of, uh, as an entrepreneur, if you're entrepreneurial, I think the big, the big, the big thing that I've noticed amongst entrepreneurs is that they, they see the world and, you know, a normal person would just adapt to that world. They're like, okay, this is just how it is. So I'm just going to go along with it. Right. The entrepreneurs, all of us who are usually the types who are like something about something feels really wrong to them and they will mm-hmm. try to figure out how to make it the way that they envision that part of the world. And it's so, and so as an entrepreneur, you, you literally get to redefine some part of the world. And I think that's super cool because yeah. you are making a lasting impact and even after you die, like that impact exists. And and whereas like if you're just an employee you are not you're kind of doing that but you're you know you're doing that at a very smaller at a much smaller scale whereas an entrepreneur you're kind of the 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 leader in that in that creation so i don't think there's anything more um rewarding than being an entrepreneur in my opinion um besides maybe having a family i don't but i don't know how how that feels because but i've heard it's also rewarding to have a family it is it's Um, quite 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 rewarding i can i can report yeah (laughs) so the pros are definitely there i think the it's just that you have to be self-aware enough to know that like there is a lot you're giving up in the process and you have to be okay with that Hmm. and you know I, I always acknowledge that whether I'm a solo entrepreneur or uh, building, going to build another company, like I'm going to, it's, I know the trade-off I'm making, which is that I, I don't have a defined job. I don't have, I'm, I don't have times when I'm like, Oh, I'm done. Like I'm done. Like that just doesn't exist. And so mm-hmm. you have to just be willing to make that trade-off. And if you can, and if you're, if you're totally okay with that, if you're totally okay with that, that level of responsibility, then go be an entrepreneur. Hmm. But if you, if you're looking for more like, like you, you rather, you're the type of person that just wants to be told what to do and you can really get, get it done. You're really good at just getting things done. Then maybe entrepreneurship is not for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes people almost like, Oh, you're an employee has like a condescending, um, like way to it but they wouldn't be entrepreneurs if there weren't employees like we need mm-hmm. both right we need you yep. we need the employees and we need the entrepreneurs they they both serve a function in this world so it's just a matter mm-hmm. of what 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 role you want to play in the world yeah totally um, and and like the other thing is like you know if you're not an entrepreneur in business doesn't mean you can't be an entrepreneur in other ways right like I would say starting a family and being a father or a mother, you're kind of being an entrepreneur because you're, you have all that responsibility. You're leading your children in some way and you're training them to become functional, functional adults. Or, you know, you can be an entrepreneur in your religious activities if you want. Like there's other ways to be entrepreneurial besides just work. Right. So you can kind of scratch that itch in other ways if you don't want to completely ditch your full-time job to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's it's something I think that's not considered so much is like it's there are ways to scratch that itch because perhaps that itch isn't so intense for a lot of people that it would warrant them jumping into entrepreneurship uh, in the traditional sense full time. Right. Maybe there's other ways that they can they can start to explore that. Uh, that isn't so much a commitment. Do you. Um, yeah. Do you, do you remember anything when you were working full-time uh, for Goldman uh, or for Andreessen Horowitz where you that that kind of told you that you had was there anything that kind of told you you had to go do this entrepreneurial thing like were, were there any signs that, that uh, I don't know that even manifested perhaps in, in the work you were doing the way you were doing your work your at your your thoughts or attitudes about your work that uh, where you were like man I need to get out of the the, the job world and I need to, to go do a business. Um, was there anything concrete like that? 
Um, so just like every young 20 year old, uh, I was trying to figure out what I truly would become or what I was meant to be. But the, the, the telltale sign, if I look back in hindsight, is that I was just a terrible employee. Okay. Um, I was a terrible, terrible employee. And I like, I just did not fit in. I was like, I just, I would look around and be like, oh God, like this, like, it would make me want to just like throw up. I'm like, this, this is just, this just sounds awful. Like I just like every day coming into work, which is like awful. Okay. That was like Goldman, but like, um, at Andrews and Horowitz, like it, it was really hard for me to hate my job at Andrews and Horowitz because I was like one of the best jobs I've ever had in the sense that I was working with such incredible people. Hmm. Like I was working with, you know, like basically the top people in Silicon Valley. And so for me, like it would be, it'd be ridiculous for me to say I didn't enjoy that, but right. I didn't, but I, but Andrews and Horowitz was structured in a way where it kind of allowed me to be independent already. Like I didn't speak, but he didn't even, he didn't really care what I was doing. I was kind of like, it was very entrepreneurial in that, in that sense, because you're an investor, you're kind of out on your own in the field. Right. And figuring out what companies to meet with and what founders to meet with and, and you're putting your own um, schedule together, all that. So it was somewhat entrepreneurial already. So in that regard, I started to realize that that freedom that I was given at Andreessen Horowitz, I really love that. And mm. I was like, okay, this is like way more like who I am. And then at Andreessen Horowitz, you know, my job was to meet with entrepreneurs every single day. So I met with anywhere between like you know, five to 10 entrepreneurs a week, just meeting with them and understanding what they're building. And in that process of meeting with them, I got entrepreneur envy where I was like, wow, mm -hmm. like these people are, I admire these people. Like these are the people I want to be like. And until then I had no, I've never ever said that in my life where I was like, oh wow, like this is what I want to be. But after I started meeting, after I started meeting with the entrepreneurs, I was like, wow, like these are like, this is like what, it is like this is what I want to do because these people literally get to create the future they believe in and that's when it kind of hit me and I was like okay yeah this is what this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life okay interesting yeah that's it's interesting uh to hear that report of, of your kind of thoughts about your job your attitudes about your job I I guess I went through something sort of similar before going out on my own which was 2017 late 2017 um I was working for uh, a tech company based out of Seattle called Auth0 and um we it was it was a great job I loved it it was you know great people uh, to work for great people to work with really cool part of the job was learning from so many um, talented engineers. And so all around great, on paper really good, but I just, I don't know, I think for me, I started just not any longer liking the fact that I was working for somebody. That was that was probably the biggest thing. It's like, regardless, like my boss was great. My boss was, uh, you know, really easygoing, fun to talk to, everything. But I just <laughs> realized that I didn't want to report to somebody, I, I think. And it, it, I almost remember it like striking me as like, maybe this is like a selfish kind of thought or something. But I just like started to hate the fact that I had a boss almost, right? Um, and that's, that, that was one of the... Um, one of the things that uh, led me to to make the decision to go out on my own. Um, so anyway, sounds like some some similar thoughts, perhaps. Yep. Gotcha. Um, cool. So the uh, the next step for you is to do um, another entrepreneurial venture. Not sure yet if it's going to be more solo or more company based. What uh, if we're going to talk about trade offs uh, a little bit further? What are what do you think? What do you think some of the trade offs are between doing um, a company uh, in the way that you've done it so far with True Story versus? on your own, focusing just on being a solo entrepreneur. Um, what would you see, say those trade-offs are? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, and honestly, and I didn't realize the difference until I kind of did, I'm doing both, I, until I did both, but um, you asked what the differences are, right? Yeah, yeah, just kind of yeah. maybe some of, if someone's thinking about like, ah, should I start like, uh, you know, should I try to start at like a SaaS company and, and have to hire some employees or maybe go try to get some funding versus, um, you know, doing it on their own, bootstrapping, maybe do, maybe just being solo in the whole thing. Um, curious about what you think the uh, Yeah, the sure. Are. Again, it comes back to the type of person you are. Like one, 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 as I said, when I took some time off and tried to, 
had kind of that like moment last late last year where I started to realize that the path I was taking was not true to myself. Um, the key thing I identified personally was that I'm a, I'm a huge introvert. Um, I'm very uh, self-reliant and I know how to manage my time really well and I'm very independent, I'm very disciplined, all this stuff, but I don't enjoy, I thought I would, um, and, and like when I was doing it, I, I did, honestly, I, I did enjoy it, but I realized that I don't enjoy it nearly as much as just working by myself. Like, I don't enjoy the part of, you know, having to decide what other people have to work on, right. um, make decisions for them, um, kind of, you know, be the, be responsible for these people ultimately because you are, like as a leader, you're, you're responsible for your team. And, yep. um, and I just realized that that, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just that it eats away from my time to be by myself, which is what I ultimately really enjoy. It's like yeah. you can put me in a cabin and I will be happy there if I just have the food I love and a computer. And I'm just one of those people. Like I can literally go months without interaction. And and it was just, an, and whereas like some people need that team environment they, they love like you know building teams creating these like um organizational sheets of like what needs to be done this week we do right. this this week we do this. they love planning they love the roadmaps they love all that like i yeah. had an employee who just like loved all that so i like kind of delegated some of the stuff to him but you just you know until you see that until you until you really understand the type of person you are it's hard to know whether the going out and building a team is the right one for you or being a solo entrepreneur is the right one for you. But, yeah. you know, like, for example, if you're an extrovert, you probably wouldn't enjoy solo entrepreneurship right. um, because you get energy from other people and um, and that. But maybe you would because my boyfriend is actually uh, an extrovert and he's a solo entrepreneur. Okay. Maybe that's not the right way to think about it as I'm saying this out loud. Probably the better way to think about it is if if the idea of having responsibility over a group of people scares you or annoys you in any way, because in some ways it is a loss of freedom because you mm. are responsible for these people. And it's kind of like being a parent to, you know, your entire team in some mm. regards, right? right. You, you're not, you can't just like, at the end of the day, you're the last man up and you're the last man standing. So. If you don't enjoy the thought of that, um, then maybe entrepreneur going and building out a team and raising money is not for you. But if you, if that sounds exciting to you, and or even if it's not that exciting to you, but you are willing to make that sacrifice because you believe in your outcome that mm. much, you believe in the thing that you're building so much that you're willing to make that sacrifice and be selfless like that, then you should do entrepreneurship because yeah. it, com it comes down to that in the sense that like as I, I, I don't know if I tweeted this before or not, but basically I believe that if you're building a company, it's like the most selfish and the most selfless thing you can do hmm. because it's selfish because ultimately you're trying to create a vision of the world that you believe in. So hmm. you are trying to create something that you want exist in the world. It's all about your idea and your vision, but it's selfless because to bring that vision to life, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with your team and your investors and your users. So right. you, all of those people come before you. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's um, it's like, yeah, there's two sides of that coin, right? You're, you're in it for yourself, but also for others at the same time. Um, yeah, so are there any kind of, you know, one thing that comes to mind is that if people are curious about pursuing an idea, right? You mentioned that you know maybe maybe one of the trade-offs that you could uh, have as part of your decision-making process, whether to go towards a uh, you know a, a traditional maybe venture-backed, if you're able to raise some money with employees kind of company, is if you believe in that idea so much. Do you have any thoughts about how to kind of assess 
whether you believe in something enough to make that leap? Because I think a lot of people have ideas for products they could make or things they could uh, help to affect change for in the world. But I think a lot of people don't really know whether or not they truly believe in it uh, to the extent that that might be necessary. Um, and myself included, like I, I've got lots of ideas about things I could do, things that I, inspire me, that, that I, I'd love to see change. But but I, I'm always unsure. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me, but I'm always unsure about whether or not I believe in it so truly that I, I would make the kind of trade off that you're talking about. Um, did you have any kind of way of thinking about that when you uh, launched True Story, for example? Or uh, yeah, you, so any... when this is something that um, when I was at Anderson Horowitz, like one of the things that we always talked about when we looked at founders and whether we were going to invest in them or not was: is their founder product or founder market fit? Like, mm-hmm. why? Basically, we only invested in companies if we believe that this person is the best person in the world to build this company. Right. Otherwise, we're going to fund someone else who has the same idea, right? Okay. Like, ideas are cheap. It's really about who's working on it and how are they going to execute on it. Yeah. So I would say, like, if that's a question for you, if you're already questioning, like, oh, like, I don't know if I'm like, if I truly believe in this, and the public answer is no, like, you don't believe in it. Like, it's right. either a hell yes or no. Yeah. And, uh, and like you'll know like if you truly believe in something enough and i would say the best entrepreneurs are those that kind of solve problems that they've faced firsthand or that they are intimately familiar with firsthand because then they know it's a problem and they know that it needs to be fixed Hmm. otherwise you're just guessing and you think it's a problem but it's not really a problem right yeah, okay, yeah. makes so sense. So, yeah, like, really think about that because so like, you yeah. never want to be tied to an idea that you don't truly believe in because that's yeah. the only thing that's going to keep you going when shit hits the fan, right? Sure, yeah. It kind of reminds me of I had a conversation at some point during my undergrad with someone who was doing their PhD. And I think that they had advice for me, which was to make, if you're going to do a PhD one day, make sure you really like the topic. Otherwise you're going to suffer for four years doing something that's only going to get, you know, more and more, um, <laughs> more, more and more less, I guess, less and less inspiring for you as the years go. So maybe similar if you're picking a product idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, cool. Well, you know, that's a perhaps a good point to start wrapping up on. Um, I'd love to, to get your thoughts uh, maybe before we go just on because I know you've got a digital product. You've got your book, uh, Fundamentals of Functional Programming. Uh, maybe tell me about uh, your experience a little bit um, launching this book, how it's gone. Uh, you've got it up for sale on Gumroad and we'll certainly link to it. Um, but curious to hear that side of business things for you too, the kind of self-authoring uh, side. Yeah, sure. Um, self-authoring is actually super fun if you like writing and if you um, want to put out small, you know, ebooks out there. But it was pretty easy for me. Like I never tried it, so it was for me. It was a little bit of an experiment. So. You know, I want to write books in the future. Probably not yet. Probably in my late thirties or something. Once I live a little bit longer. Once I live a little bit more of my life. Um, but this is one of many, um, you know, small steps to get there. I just wanted to launch a little bit of an ebook to see what it feels like to self-publish something. And um, also, my boyfriend, you know, does this all. That's his business, basically, where he publishes okay. little ebooks. Um, that are fitness oriented but it was pretty easy in the sense that you just you publish the you write the document you publish it and then gumroad makes it super easy to just put it and sell it but um you know gumroad's a kind of like a a, a hack um eventually i'm going to put the the book on my website and just have e-commerce plugged into my website directly and go through that but i would say like I heard that you know if you're if you're writing a book or ebook or whatever like don't a lot of people have said don't try don't try to go through Amazon to sell it because yeah. it's you make no money off that um, whereas like here I basically get most of the sales like right. I think Gumbo takes like two to three percent or something so not that much um, yep. so if you're going if you're trying to sell published books you totally do it yourself don't go through Amazon because that's yeah. The one good thing, though, about Amazon is distribution. Hmm. 
So yeah. they'll they'll distribute the book and they'll recommend the book for you. So there's a trade-off there. It's like, are you looking for the most amount of distribution or are you looking to keep the most amount of cut, like the, the yeah. money? It just depends. How do you go about promoting your book and, and getting people to your Gumroad page and, and, and get them interested, that sort of thing? Yeah, like I, usually it was through Twitter and then I also have a small email list, so I sent it through that. Um, and then I'm also connected with the Free Code Camp community, so I okay. published a blog post on their forum and, and got some um, some sales from that as well. Excellent, okay. Well, um, what we've talked about today is that everything is about trade-offs, it sounds like. Gumroad versus Amazon, full-time employee versus full-time entrepreneur. Um, uh, life is all about trade-offs, I suppose. Well, um, it's been a blast chatting with you. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on today. Um, where can people find you online and uh, maybe say hello? Sure. Um, so my website is breathecastery.com and there's a contact page on my website itself. Or uh, you can find me on Twitter, and my user handle is I am underscore Preeti. And finally, um, another place to find me, I haven't announced this yet, so this is the first place I'm sharing is I'm going to be Ooh. launching a YouTube channel um, okay. next month. And so um, I'm going to be creating a lot of just content and teaching on so if you want to follow me there, you can find me there as well. Excellent. I will certainly link all of that up in the show notes. Um, well, Preeti, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to come on the show today. This has been really fun. And uh, people will, I'm sure, benefit from your insights, uh, your experience. So yes, thank you very, very much. Thank you. It's really fun. I, and the questions are amazing. So appreciate it. Awesome. Cool. Well, I will chat with you later. All right. Bye. Thank you once again so much for tuning in to the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 21 with Preeti Casaretti. You can find links to all the resources that Preeti mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you'd like to follow on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash coderpodcast. And if you would like to subscribe to the show, you can go to ecpodcast.io slash subscribe, and there you'll find the appropriate links. And if you'd like to leave a review for the show, that would be awesome as well. Until next time, happy hacking. Thank you.